a doctor in the house. Doctor, doctor, give me the news. I got a bad case loving you. Doctor. 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 And doctor. It's time for Advanced Medicine Monday with Dr. Rashid Batar. I'm a doctor, not a bricklayer. A doctor, not a mechanic. I'm a doctor, not a coal miner. The doctor is in. Taking on bureaucrats and corporations that would stand in the way of health freedom and making sense out of medical propaganda. The voice of health, freedom, and liberty, Robert Scott Bell. All right, it's time. Advanced Medicine is officially here because Dr. Rashid Batar is with me. Welcome back, Dr. Batar. We got lots to talk about, as always. We do, Robert. There's a lot of good stuff we got to talk about today. Yeah, from from cancer chemotherapy admissions that are it might be considered shocking. When I read it, I was like, "Gosh, man, these guys are weasels." We'll get to that. Uh, we have some EMF electromagnetic field disruption discussion with cell phones, and uh, what else? We got flu non uh, flu propaganda, more flu shot propaganda coming your way. Yeah, some frequently asked questions that are. Very interesting, the answers that they give. Oh, we're going to have to definitely tackle that. And if we have time, we'll do some political healing. See, Goldman Sachs versus Goldman Sachs. How's that turning out for everybody out there? <laughs> we will find out right here on Advanced Medicine Monday on the Robert Scott Bell Show with Dr. Batar. Nine steps to keep the doctor away. And remember, coming up November, it's one month away now, the next Advanced Medicine Seminar in Houston, Texas. We'll get you that information. It's all, of course, linked up in the show notes today as well. So, uh, Dr. Batari, you and I were talking before we got on the air about some interesting things I, we were saying, oh, should we talk about it? I think absolutely yes, and it relates to EM fields. Now, it's bad enough when you walk through the airports, all the electromagnetic radiation and ionizing radiation they want to expose you to. But people inadvertently, without thinking about it, are doing it to themselves sometimes 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Yeah, and I think most people already know that their cell phones, the ambient cell phone radiation that's giving off, is uh, causing a great deal of disruption on the level of, that's when we consider what it's doing to our physiology, but on the level of the magnetic grids getting shifted, and there's so many other components, but, uh, you know, it's one of the reasons why bees are disappearing Mm -hmm. on the planet. So you've uh, heard about the... Colony collapse disorder on top of the pesticide disruption and GMOs. Yes, the the uh, actually you know you change or alter magnetic fields. These animals are going to be you know susceptible to that. Right. And in fact, uh, a lot of people have said about the the GMOs and talked about the uh, pesticides and pestilence and such. That's one of the reasons attributed to the declining bee population. But in actuality, it's been shown that it's the magnetite that's within the gastrointestinal tracts of the bees, which allows them to align to the Earth's magnetic grid to find direction, is being shifted and thrown off because of the uh, significant increase in ambient cell phone radiation. In fact, it's gone up from 1983 to 2003. So we're almost a decade old as far as the data. Uh, In that 20-year period, there was over a 500,000% in the amount of ambient cell phone radiation in a typical urban environment. And so what it's done over the last nine years, who knows, but we know it's significant. The homing pigeons that have, in fact, birds have uh, magnetite inside their beaks. Humans have it inside their brains. But uh, in birds, it allows them to migrate. And homing pigeons used to be about a 15% attrition during the 
doing the competitions when they had the homing pigeons do the homing pigeon races. Mm-hmm. And now, in the last 10 years, the 15% attrition has increased to 85% attrition. So that 15% of the birds that would die, if you had 100 birds that started the race, 15 would die, and they were attributed to everything from uh, birds of prey, you know, airplanes, windmills, uh, turbulence, weather, whatever. Now 85 out of 100 birds don't make it back, and it's because of actually their inability to find direction. So the cell phone radiation aspect, just what it's doing to the planetary magnetic grids, it is very, very significant. Yes. But just putting that aside, just the radiation that we're exposed to, not, not just in the ambient uh, environment, I'm just talking about within your own personal 8 to 12 inch within your space environment. What it's doing is is extremely destructive, and that's what obviously you and I were talking about before the show. Yeah, there's a lot of localized tissue damage that occurs. Now, a lot of the, the so-called molecular reductionists would say, oh, man, there's not enough energy to disrupt anything. But th- these people don't understand the level at which energy is working in your body at a very minute metabolic and, and cellular level. And that disruption, however slight, over time, consistently, combined with other environmental factors or stresses, can really create havoc there. Now, I've had interviewed some people, some doctors that have said it's associated with localized tumors. I've even interviewed people that have uh, claimed that they had tumors only in the specific area where they constantly were on their phone, on the ear, the parotid area. And so you were you were relating to me that, that you had, I think we've even talked about this, you had this one area like a hip injury that someone had said, uh, maybe even a chiropractor said it was arthritic. And you were like, there's no way there's arthritis going on here. It's interesting how this could tie together. Yeah, actually, it was uh, when I was competing on the uh, – my son and I were competing on the international level in martial arts. And, and so he attributed it to an injury because of uh, kicking and injury and then degenerative joint arthritic-type changes taking place in there. And I knew it wasn't that because it had happened – doing more activity and arthritic things actually get better doing more activity. And, uh, so, you know, he, he's a good friend of mine. He kept on saying, Oh, you know, first, first, uh, indication is denial. You know, you get, <laughs> yeah, he's but really, he's really making good friends with you here on this yeah, one. Yeah, exactly. He's, and he's a smart guy, you know, but he's, yeah. he was, uh, part of it was just busting on me, but part of it was he really believed that. And he, and he wanted me to get x-rays done and this and that. And, and I told myself, first of all, if it's arthritic, I, I don't need any, any freaking, uh, x-rays. And, um, and secondly, I know it's not arthritic, so I'm not going to do it. But long and the short is that there was a certain exercise I was doing and I came to realize that that was actually exacerbating the injury. But since then, even over the last year and a half, and I haven't been competing or doing anything else, still that area has been more susceptible. And you remember when I went to Australia, I had that injury. Oh, yeah. Just flying and we talked about you know wrestling with the axe and that didn't injure and picking up 180-pound posts, putting up fencing. That didn't bother my back or my my hip. But it was just that one movement and, and sitting in a plane. But about three weeks ago, uh, right after the advanced medicine seminar, it clicked for me that I always wear my phone on the right side. And I noticed that if I sleep more than four or five hours when I wake up, it's my right side that hurts. Um, almost like lack of activity of movement makes it worse. And so I stopped wearing my phone. In fact, that's one of the reasons that you've had a hard time getting me a hold of yeah, me. Yeah, I was like, where's Dr. Batar? I need to talk to him. He's, and no yeah, one answers. So. I'm texting you, and you're like, what, what's going on? And now he tells me, well, I've just stopped wearing my phone. Thanks a lot. <laughs> but I, I'm actually glad of it from the health perspective because – 
when we were talking, it just it, before you even told me what was going on, I was like, where do you wear your phone? I mean, it seemed yeah. to be that, that that fell into line with what I've seen over the years as well. Exactly. And it's not the right side. It's the right hip. I mean, I actually wear it for, further back. Mm-hmm. And so most people, like you mentioned, that you used to wear your phone in the front, put it in your pocket. Yep. Yeah, I had my, my left quadriceps where I wore it for a, for a long time, for many years without thinking consciously about it. I started having some strange sensations and weird twitches in the quadriceps out of the blue. No other muscle was doing it. And I said, holy, you know, it was clear to me at that point what was going on. So if I had to carry it, I was always moving it, never in the same place. And most of the time it, it'd be in the briefcase, that kind of thing. But in addition, of course, I went into some homeopathics to counteract it we can get into. But seems to me you, you made that same link at this point. Absolutely. And in fact, uh, one of the ideas in my head was, you, you got to remember, Robert, I am the obnoxious person sitting on the plane that turns on the speaker and talks. You know, to me, <laughs> I get a headache if I'm on the phone. If I yeah. put the phone up to my ear for more than 15 seconds, I get a headache. And I have had, in fact, I think you, you told me that your wife has the same thing. She gets, yeah, very she sp- cannot hold that phone to her head at all. I mean, she'll put it on speaker. If she has the wired thing, at least she can be on it for a short period of time, but she can't directly do it instantly. It just uh, sends her into some se- severe head pain, so she doesn't mess with it. Yeah, in fact, I've asked doing seminars, ask uh, people to raise their hand if they get a headache or they get some sensitivity when they put the phone, the cell phone to the ears. And I would, I would venture probably 20 to 25% of the people raise their hand and say that they have some type of an anomaly they experience when they hold the phone up to their head. Mm-hmm. So, so at this point, you, you've come to that conclusion that that was something that was definitely playing itself, uh, let's say, some kind of long-term interaction on that level to create a weakness yeah, exactly. And I think that you know, everybody should be aware of it at least and you know, do whatever you feel is right. But I certainly do not let my children talk on the phone, um, all except for my youngest, my seven-year-old, who actually is getting ready to have his eighth birthday and said he wants a cell phone. Um, but I told him that, look, all my kids, if you're going to use a phone, text, don't put it up to your ear, speak on the speaker, and otherwise just don't put it on your body, carry it in your backpack or whatever. But I'm basically doing the same thing now i've been preaching it but now i'm actually doing it myself yeah well sometimes it takes a while for us to get there now that's the reason why you know i work with dr king we have our healing revolution and you know i was very concerned about em fields of course and the additional ionizing radiation aspect after fukushima so the emf detox homeopathic we've been using to counteract it uh, and of course i'm surrounded by electromagnetic fields with my radio equipment all the time too so that's been an ongoing thing i'm not saying that uh, it's it's the only thing that I do, but I think it's an important aspect to you know utilize energy uh, to neutralize energy. Uh, it makes total sense, and I would actually be interested in getting more information on that myself. But uh, there there are a number of different things that we've tried to do, and uh, using things such as magnetite and lasers and other types of interfering or disruptive fields to create a disruption in the negative electromagnetic radiation type picture. In, uh, so in other words, it disrupts the disruptive fields, if right, that makes right. sense. Yeah, there's a lot of fascinating technology. I know you're up on a lot of it as well. It, it's hard sometimes to get definitive, uh, let's say, proof uh, that you can take photographs. Sometimes some people will take uh, uh, heat radiation type, uh, what is the thermography of tissue. Mm-hmm. Right. That's one way I guess you could see it visually. Uh, but sometimes it's a matter of your, your own sensitivity. How do you feel? For instance, did in my muscle, the case with my mother, when I, when I removed the cell phone from storing it there, did it change? Yes, indeed. It stopped happening altogether. 
So we, we can make some reasonable cause and effect uh, links by these experiments that we do. Mm-hmm. I agree with you. Uh, there are many things that can be done. And you know, any, from the ground technologies that are in some of the bands, we did a study on the different energy bands. We covered that on the uh, show maybe about a year ago mm-hmm. uh, to various types of pendants that people wear and different types of uh, devices that you can put on your phones to reduce the the ambient cell phone radiation, even though many of those you have to be careful because they don't do anything, but some of them do actually work. And uh, not that they completely protect you, but they do reduce the amount that you're exposed to. Yeah. Well, again, these are strategies we like to, to see integrated. If you have ideas, if you're doing some things, give us a call, 866-939-BELL, 866-939-2355. And the, the beauty is there's recovery. There's the ability to recover and regenerate when you do the things that are written about in the nine steps to keep the doctor away, for instance. It's not a matter of uh, if people have been chronically ill forever and on top of it they're throwing these cell phone disruptions into their body. I mean, it's a, it can be devastating for someone like that that's not basically healthy to begin with. So it can be a lot of work recovering. I agree with you, Robert. But the good thing is that there are many options that people have to start uh, beginning that journey to recovery and it just takes that first step mm-hmm. exactly exactly so anyway how's your hip now i mean have you have you noticed a significant change in how soon after did you see uh shifts happen or strengthening happen well actually i did i actually saw within probably two days a difference and wasn't sure if i it was in my head or not mm-hmm. I actually ended up having a massage appointment this past friday and uh, she really got some stuff moving to the point that my whole back felt, low back felt like I was missing something. Like, you know, I was a piece of, if I was made up of Legos, that somebody put that one, pulled that one piece of Lego out that was supporting my lower back. Yeah. It was a good thing because it was moving things around. And, and I have felt a difference from the actual um, lack of wearing the cell phone. So the jury's still out 100%, but I would say definitely there's some type of improvement. And I'll let you know by hopefully the Houston advanced medicine seminar we'll, what's have, going on we'll have updates in person if you come to houston we'll let you know how to do that go but go to advanced medicine seminars.com you can go to the calendar i have it linked directly in the show notes today at robertscoutbell.com so do check it out when we come back we're going to talk about chemo oncologists what are they doing now to back off of what they claim that they never did <laughs> this is an amazing story dr batar is going to chime on in for sure we'll be right back Great heavens, what kind of radio show is this? The Robert Scott Bell Show. Taking on bureaucrats and corporations that would stand in the way of health freedom. Here's Robert. Uh, yesterday on the Robert Scott Bell Show, I covered this story. I was looking forward to talking to you, Dr. Batar, about it. And it was about cancer patients, as the title says, may misunderstand goal of chemo. And I'm thinking, oh, no, they're trying to lay it on the patients again, a screw-up that the oncologist did. And now they're saying, well, uh, you know, that chemotherapy we said was curing you or would cure you. Well, maybe we never really did say that. You just misunderstood us. Can you, can you believe this? Yeah, I mean, I would read the first paragraph you told me that you you know it's interesting when i asked you about this you said well maybe it's just my uh, interpretation story but the first 
paragraph, the first line says, when doctors recommend chemotherapy to, pay, uh, to people with incurable cancer, many of those patients may not understand that the treatment won't save their lives, a small study finds. So you did not misinterpret the study, Robert. Uh, it's pretty clear that they're saying that people misinterpret the intention of the chemo. In fact, the third paragraph, I really like this. It says, for patients... It says, other times it's palliative, intended to ease some of the symptoms of a patient's cancer without a hope of improving survival. Now, my question is, why would you incur negative experience, a uh, nausea and pain and loss of hair yes. experience, and go through this utter hell? Exactly. I mean, that, that, that's Palliative. I read that. Palliative. I'm thinking... You, you give somebody chemotherapy, it palliates nothing. It, and, the, and the thing is, the person would never experience that. If, I mean, if you tell a person up front, see, now we get into informed consent. Right. Because if this is true, then how many people, how many oncologists are actually telling patients, because I will guarantee you on my life that if a person knew that there is no chance of improving, there's no exactly what they say, without a hope of improving survival, they would never go through chemo. They would say, let me then just go fishing, mm-hmm. be with my family. If there's no chance of me improving, then why am I going to go ahead and go through nausea, vomiting, loss of hair, pain, cachexia, miserable experience at a hospital to have no chance of increasing my life span? Mm-hmm. Why, would, why would any human being doing that? See, I think this is a, an admission that which they don't want to say, but they are admitting it. That they're not telling them that exactly. They're not t- giving them informed consent. I mean, they're not. T- and then they're saying, "Well, oh, the patient mis- somehow misunderstood." Well, did you explain it to them? Well, but maybe they didn't speak English. What? I mean, they actually said that. Oh, it might be that they were Spanish speaking. They said this in, this, in, this in the article. Part to the study. This is amazing. This is unbelievable. Oh, your native language wasn't English. Well, I'm sorry. Get an interpreter in and tell them. But they, they yeah. could do that. This is this is uh, this is the height of absurdity now. Yeah, I'm telling you. You know this 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 system is so. I, you know, sometimes, I mean, of course, we, we throw out the word evil from time to time. But when you do something like that, even with the best intentions, in my mind, that borders on, if not crosses the border into being evil. Just let people let them make an informed decision. Well, Robert, you know, for me especially, you know my experience and what I had to go through and, yes, uh, you know, almost a $14 million loss between revenue, legal fees, office, etc. because I was brought up on these charges of ethical misconduct. And yet this is the ethical misconduct because what these people are doing is exactly what they accused me of doing. And yet I was getting people, my, my patients were living. Yeah, they're, get, they're getting it, better. Yeah. So, and this is after the testimony of five different patients, all stage four, all given less than six months to live, some of them three, four months to live, and they were all three years or more out. One was seven years out at that point. So this is what this really, you know, at a certain point, it goes beyond infuriation, you know, being infuriated, and it becomes um, almost to the point where you sit there and you think, well, Karma's a bitch, and it's mm-hmm. going to come back and to really bite them. Well, yeah, well said. That's that's a hard thing to look at this and recognize that because we're we're pretty much locked into this one lifetime by most memory standards. So if you don't remember, although it was interesting, I had a case where my son woke up the other morning and had a, a, a very vivid recall 
uh, being in the Civil War as a soldier just being shot. And he said, Dad, I, I just remember dying. I mean, it was the most amazing mm. thing to hear, especially wow. being able to talk with him about that. But but for most, you don't you don't ever get that sense of continuity of life after life after life. Well, that's a very good point. I've uh, <clears throat> I've actually had some similar experiences where people have told me that they've had a very distinct experience of recalling an event that they possibly could not have recalled because they never experienced it in this realm. Yes. So it could have been in some other time, some other frame. So it's it's interesting that you made that comment. But they are people that have, um, I think one of our mutual friends, in fact, uh, mm-hmm. Paul Butcher, yeah. his, his uh, grandson had this experience of, of burning and said something about what's wrong with your eyes. Did you hear it? Do you remember? I, yeah, I don't remember the details of the story, but I do remember that. And it was quite a profound thing, knowing details that could, that kid couldn't possibly have known. Exactly, exactly. And, and so, you, you know, when you say karma is a bitch, it's like, you know, then a lot of people will say, well, yeah, but look at all these evil people getting away with it. And we could say, okay, well, in the next life or in the afterlife, they'll get theirs. But some people say, I don't want to wait till then. It's like, listen, I realize it's not my role to be the, 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 the lord of karma. So I kind of let it go at some point because it, it serves no purpose other than to create disease within yourself sometimes to stew on it. But the recognition that there's the, the life does continue. There is a continuity. And, yeah, you don't escape the actions. You might then say, well, I think I'll think twice before I do that. Yeah, and I think that uh, the reve- you know they say that revenge is the best. Oh, a I'm dish sorry. served cold or what? <laughs> or a double-edged yeah. sword? I said it wrong, actually. Uh, living a good life is the best form of revenge. That's it. Yeah, there you go. Yes. And it's, uh, it's one of those things that I try to... I try to really, really live a life full of revenge by living a good life. <laughs> well, yeah, it's a very nice, especially, again, when you see these doctors in the same profession, Dr. Batar, and they somehow, as if they, there's no remorse, there's no, no conscience, no regret, apparently, other than perhaps the fact that they're on numerous medications just to go to sleep every night. They will look and they will give this to you. They won't even tell you that it won't work. It won't improve your, your likelihood that you'll live, much less it will destroy your quality of life. And yet when their family members are sick or when they get sick, they will come to see someone like you. They would call me. Is there an option besides chemo? Because I'm not doing what I'm giving my patients. This has happened so many times for me too, Robert. And I know it's happened to you where, mm-hmm. where people have done exactly that. You know, They've made recommendations that they come see you, another doctor, and then when you want to ask the patient who was the doctor that referred you so that, you know, just follow up continuity care type of thing, notice to let them know what you find as a courtesy. And the patient says that, no, they didn't want me to let you know. Uh, they, didn't, they wanted to kind of keep their, their identity private, uh, but they still felt that they, they felt that you could help me. And that's why I came. I, I think I shared this before on the yes. show that I actually had a couple, elderly couple, that came to me and their son was a doctor who referred them to me but himself did not want to be ridiculed by his peers. So he asked his parents not to say who his son was. Now, of course, it wasn't that hard because it had an unusual Italian name and the son obviously had the same Italian name. So. Right. But, you know, the thing was, I mean, and I didn't, I didn't follow up or give him a notice, but I took care of him for, you know, almost uh, almost a year. And uh, so the point is, yes, we have experienced that. We have uh, we have had people that you and myself, many other uh, healers that have dealt with uh, this type of uh, healing and and look at things more than just a pharmaceutical intervention type mm-hmm. from a pharmaceutical intervention type uh, standpoint. 
And all I can say is that it's the best form of compliment when somebody else, when another provider, another healthcare provider, doctor, refers their loved ones or their patients to you. Right. Um, because that's that's the ultimate compliment. You know, that's the. It reminds me of a little story where I was giving a lecture at UNC Chapel Hill Medical School, and there they have an integrative department. At least they used to have an integrative department there. And after I gave this lecture, it was to third year medical students. And third years, generally speaking, well, for the people that are listening, generally speaking, the third years where you transition from the didactic work to the clinical work. So it was a very crucial component. Uh, as far as what a medical student's experiencing. And so they'd asked me to come give a lecture. I gave a lecture on mercury toxicity. And at the end of the lecture, as we were finishing and I was walking out, walking away, had a lot of students coming up asking me questions. But as I was leaving, the director of the integrative medical program asked me a question and said, listen, at the end of the day, this is the only thing that's important. Are you making a living? And I thought, what, what kind of question is that? I said, what do you mean am I making a living? He said, are you making a living based on what, upon what you talk today? I mean, he said, I know you're emergency medicine trained and you, you know, you did general surgery residency and blah, blah, blah. But are you doing that or are you doing this, what you're talking about? I said, I'm doing this. And he said, how much of your practice is actually this? And I said, 100% of it. I'm not doing anything. I thought, the last time I worked at ER Shift was when my son was born in 1999, when Abi was born. I said, I haven't... Uh, done conventional medicine in that way or anything, anything like that since 1999. So he said, so you're doing this full time. I said, hundred percent. And he said, so you're making a living. I said, absolutely. And he said, well, that's the litmus test. If you mm-hmm. can make a living doing what you're saying, what you're preaching, then you know it's viable. Mm-hmm. It's an interesting way of looking at things. But I thought about that afterwards that it is interesting that are you making a living? Are you actually making a difference in people that allows the next person and the next person and the next person to come and see you and for you to do them, to take care of them and, and treat them and uh, provide the services to them in a manner that they find not only fulfilling and rewarding and beneficial, but enough to then go and tell other people about it. And, you know, when you start looking from that perspective – the key is how many people recommend to their family members go get chemotherapy. Mm-hmm. Recommend to their yes. patients, you know. In fact, how many doctors themselves have exactly. gotten chemotherapy radiation themselves? That's an interesting statistic. And I know that in my experience as a physician for 21 years, I only know of one doctor who went through radiation and only one doctor who went through chemo. And every other doctor that had cancer, which is probably well over 50, yes. chemo radiation. This was- is just. How's this for a commercial for oncology, Dr. Bertard? Nine out of ten doctors who give chemotherapy to their patients would refuse it for their own family members. Be more like 95 yeah. out of Yeah, I think you're right. Well, listen, we've got to take a break here. By the way, if you want to learn about this and more, plan to come to Advanced Medicine Seminars. The next one, Houston, Texas, November 16th and 17th. All health care providers, both days. And our lay audience from all over the planet, come on down for the Saturday event, the 17th. I'll be there. We'll have a great time. It's going to be such an amazing thing, and it will transform your life for the better. So stand by. We've got to talk. What are we talking about next, Dr. Batar? I think we're talking about the flu. Yeah, yeah. Flu propaganda, flu shot. Oh, my gosh. we got to unravel this one. Stand by. Lots more healing to go on the Robert Scott Bell Show with Dr. Batar on Advanced Medicine Monday. The Robert Scott the Bell Robert Show. The Robert Scott Bell Show. in the health world through the power of radio it's the robert scott bell show 
The Pink Ribbon Brigade strikes the flu shot, or the flu shot brigade ties into the Pink Ribbons and says, hey, we're going to raise money for Big Pharma, or we're just going to keep you completely ignorant. This is a piece that's amazing. Dr. Batari, you've got it there. All your questions about the flu vaccine answered. <laughs> How many lies can they fit into one little uh, editorial here, this care2.com, whatever this thing is? Well, you know, it's really amusing that the picture that they have there is of a woman, grandmotherly appearance, holding a cup of coffee with a big smile on her face, sipping it away, kind of like, you know, your your best friend, grandma, is going to tell you all you need to know about the flu shot. Yeah, but if you look at bilaterally on her face, it looks like she has some palsy on one side. I bet she's gotten the flu shot. <laughs> I think you're right. Yeah, just explore right. that and think, okay, she's a poster child. Now, if you want Alzheimer's, you want to get the flu, well, they say that's not possible by getting yeah. the flu shot. Think again. Yeah. So what What are some of the – I mean, they're really playing this thing fast and loose. So they must have something to hide behind. Well, I think a lot of it is probably because people are – Refusing the flu shots probably more now than they ever have in history. Similar to the statin drugs where people refused it or blood pressure medications where people weren't taking their blood pressure medications and actually using lifestyle modification to help reduce their blood pressures. And so they changed the standard of what was considered to be hypertension. And so they decreased the numbers. So instead of 120 over 80 being a normal blood pressure, now you had to have a 110 over 70 being a normal blood pressure. And if you have 120 over 80, now you're recommended to have a, a high blood pressure medication or statin drugs. You know, the normal cholesterol used to be 250, then they dropped it to 225, then right. 200, then 175. Now people, I've had patients come to my office that are, have a cholesterol of 175, 180, and they're saying they're being told that they need to be in statin drug because they have too much cholesterol. Right. And it, it, Listen, I mean, this is becoming ludicrous. Dr. Batar, how do you know when you need, uh, let's say, a steroid inhaler for your lungs? Because, you know, you might have asthma if you're breathing. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's it now. You breathe, oh, we better get you on an inhaler. It, it's so oh, insane, but it's also part and parcel of what we talked about, that 2012, mm-hmm. is that awareness, the coming of the golden age. And I think more people now than ever, even compared to two or three months ago, Robert, more people are just refusing to buy into the BS, and they're just refusing. And so the, the popular media has no other choice. The pharmaceutical companies have no other choice but to use this type of propaganda to try to spread misinformation because nothing else is working. Yeah, well, look, look at this. What is this question? Can I get influenza from the flu shot? It's a specific question. How do they answer it? No, the flu shot does not contain the live virus, so it is impossible to get influenza from the vaccine. So my question is, and Robert, you and I covered this when I first came on the show about two years ago, almost two years ago. The only two times I ever got the flu in my life was the two times I got the flu shot when I was in the Army. And this is an experience. I have asked this in numerous symposiums, lectures, conferences of the public, uh, with the audience, whether it was public, lay audience, or physician audience, And I would say that half the room invariably raises their hand that they got the flu shot. They got the flu after getting the flu shot. They got the flu the same year they got the flu shot. They got the flu even though they got a flu vaccine and so it did not disrupt the the chances. You would think that if it's a flu shot, then you take the shot so you don't get the flu. But Mm. more than half the people have experienced getting the flu the same year they got the flu shot. And and probably a good half of that, maybe 25% overall, 
got the flu from the flu shot. And I'm, I'm a person that experienced this. So when they say it's impossible, I, I don't understand how they come up with the word, how it's impossible. Well, this is, this is not a, a referenced article at all. I mean, literally, it's just an opinion piece. And then they go to the National Council on Aging and the U.S. Centers for Disease Control, which, you know, half of them are out of their mind again with the virological and germ theory context concept. Last hour, we talked about uh, Antoine Béchamp and the law of the terrain extensively. This is another case in point where they're just basically making stuff up and, and realizing, well, they're hoping that no one does any homework, but it, I think they're losing them. The more they put this ridiculous stuff out, the more people they lose. And this is a perfect example of why somebody should come to the Advanced Medicine Seminar. And again, I'm going to yes. plug you, Robert, because you know Sherry covered this in an hour-and-a-half-long lecture, talked about the history. I mean, she did a really outstanding job of giving uh, people uh, a real eyeful and earful for what the truth really is oh it was absolutely incredible the whole history and, and aspects of vaccination that you'll never hear in person like that and and, it, and it's double for the flu shot which it's like well every year they just threw some more strains or what they claim to be strains in there they guess and and then every year they got to make, make it stronger they need more adjuvants i mean it, it's just ludicrous again the whole basis for this Let's poison the body. Let's bypass a million layers of the immune system the normal way it works. Inject this poison and say, hey, you're all the better for it. I think people are going, you guys are, are full of it. Well, I mean, look at some of these questions. What are my vaccination options? And the answers they give is adults 65 and older have two vaccine options available, the traditional flu shot as well as a higher-dose flu vaccine designed specifically to address the age-related decline of the immune system to trigger a stronger immune response following influenza immunization. So wow. they're saying that... After you, uh, after you get the, there's a decline of the immune system yep. uh, that occurs after you get the influenza immunization. So they're admitting the fact that your immune system is going to become susceptible after getting. After you get the shot, your immune system is shot. That's basically what they're saying that, here. Exactly. And so when they say, what are my treatment vaccination options, they say, these are the only two options. How about the option of not doing anything? Uh, well, yeah. Just they didn't your hands. That. They didn't give that. Just like the oncologist didn't tell you about the chemo that didn't work. Yeah. And, and yeah. you know, that what that means is the stronger one, if anybody's at, it means they, they throw more adjuvant in there. Something exactly. that hyperstimulates yeah. the immune system, like more aluminum or so, more Robert, you know uh, what I squamine. think we should do? I don't know if you have enough time to do this, but I think we should a- answer each one of these questions really for our own audience. Honestly, I think we should read the question and answer it. We won't even cover what they say but let's yeah sure answer. let's do it we got three minutes to do it uh i'm a healthy older adult who has never had the flu or suffered any serious consequences do i still need to worry about catching the disease no just wash <laughs> your hands take some vitamin c and if you go out to the store or you do something else stay away from people that are sick and i i, I mean that's just a basic fundamental yeah. wash your hands i mean that most flu is picked up by touching something that somebody else sneezed on or somebody touched their mouth and they had mm-hmm. they were carrying the, the virus and then they touched something and then you touch it. That's how people get it. And you so. know me. I you know, I talk about the integrity of your epithelial barrier, whether it be sinuses or whether it be your gastrointestinal tract. Make sure it's all strong in working order because that's your best immune protection as well. Exactly. I mean, anybody can catch it. So the point is prevent it. Don't right. ru- ruin your immune system. Enhance mm-hmm. it. So what should older adults do to best protect themselves against influenza and its related complications? Older adults now they're picking on. Yeah, older adults, don't take the flu shot because your immune system is going to become more rundown exactly the way they say themselves later on down uh, in the questions. 
And uh, as far as what should you do to protect yourself, seek answer to question yeah. number one. Oh, no. Now you made the little old lady cry on the picture there. Oh, Dr. <laughs> Vitar. <laughs> so we don't, what are the vaccine options we covered? That was the one yep. about, uh, let's see, protecting uh, who should not get a flu shot. Dr. Vitar, who should not get a flu shot? Everyone. <laughs> oh, man. We're not making them happy at all, are we? Yeah. When should I get vaccinated? Never. Never. Next. Thank you very much. Wow. I got the I got flu shot last year. Do I need to get it again, Dr. Batar? I hope to God not. If you if you're, want to eliminate yourself slowly from the genetic pool, then perhaps you may want to consider it. Otherwise, no. Yeah, I, I would say no. If you're no longer a numb nut, no more shots. Wake yeah. up. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, we must make light and laugh at this absurdity. Uh, year after year, they're saying in this thing, their claim is, well, the immunity will wane. How do they base that on? They yeah. have no scientific basis to make that statement. It sounds great on marketing material. Is it okay to get a flu shot at a retail store or clinic instead of in my physician's office? Now, I mean, here's the thing. You're yeah. getting a needle introduced into your body, and it's mm-hmm. bad enough going to your physician's office when he doesn't know what the hell's going on. Now you're going to get it at a retail store? I say just go to the fast food restaurant, drive through, yeah. have them do it there. They've got it now at, at the airports. You know, have you seen those mm-hmm. kiosks seen for the them. vaccines at the, at the airports? I, I watch all the stupid people go up and get their shots. And they're, and they're wearing often they're wearing a shirt, a suit, and a tie. So you know that <laughs> being dressed nice is no indication of intelligence. <laughs> Can I get the influenza from the, the flu, flu shot. shot? Well, there we go. I mean, yeah. I, if they could claim that you can't, maybe that we could argue that well, it, the flu, the influenza may not be purely a viral, uh, let's say, episode or outbreak as much as it is a toxicological response to something. Cells are not happy. They're spewing out debris and DNA to survive, and then they call it the influenza. Yeah, I would. I mean, it's whatever people are getting. I mean, I can tell you that the two times, the only two times I've ever experienced. What's typically described as a flu was after getting the flu shot. Sure. So can you get the influenza uh, from the flu shot? Absolutely. And, and pretty much poll your own family, friends, relatives, and see how many people got the flu after getting the flu shot. Yeah, and, and I think this last question, which mm-hmm. I think we've covered all well within three minutes, indicates really what this is all about. Does Medicare cover the cost of the higher dose option? <laughs> Uh, well, this tells you where the, there's no real difference between Democrats and Republicans at the end of the day because they were all for this expanded coverage of Medicare. Now the Republicans are just as socialist as the Democrats saying, oh, we're, we're not going to do anything to touch that. It's like you guys are a disaster the way you speak. Well, the thing is that when you start to talk about coverage for, the, you know, how, how about how about just washing your hands? And that will cover you, and you don't have to worry about whether Medicare covers it or not. Yeah, we'll, we'll uh, let's see. Will uh, Medicare Part B cover my soap purchases? I, oh man! Exactly. It, yeah, this is this is rough. Of course, the whole idea of the Medicare system is part of the medical monopoly and has nothing to do with genuine health care, genuine disease prevention, genuine ways to support immunity. And, of course, all of that is in the nine steps to keep the doctor away. And, of course, you come to the Advanced Medicine Seminars. I hope you'll get one there. If not, get one here now. And we've got the links to that book as well. And when we come back, Dr. Batar, we might have to talk a little bit of political healing here because it's just they don't have the answers there. We're going to have to do our level best to get them to everybody through the show. I agree with you. All right, stand by. One more segment to go on Advanced Medicine Monday. Having a great time, as always, with Dr. Rasha Bittar. The links are up at robertscabbell.com in the show notes. Get them, click them, and get the book. Back after this. You're listening to The Robert Scott Bell Show. 
The Robert Scott the Bell Robert Show. The Robert Scott Bell Show. So here's a question for your senator or representative before you vote for him or your presidential candidate. Find out if they've ever gotten a flu shot. Find out if they plan to get this year's flu shot. When they answer yes, you say no. No, thank you. You're not smart enough to hold any office. <laughs> well, I, I think that's a great way. That's a great litmus test of deciding whether or not your congressional representative actually is worthy of representing you. Yeah, at least one of the litmuses. I think it's a good one, and everybody should start asking. that. That'll put them on the spot to have them think about it. And send them a copy of the Cochrane Collaboration on the flu, which destroyed utterly all basis, all claims that the flu, does, the flu shot does anything to prevent it. Uh, we went through that last week with uh, John Rappaport and others. But, man, Dr. Bittard, I, I could only stomach about five minutes of last week's debate. I pulled some clips out and covered it a little bit between who's running again, uh, Romney and Obama, uh, and I said, who won the debate? Goldman Sachs won the debate. The Federal Reserve won the debate. Uh, who else won the debate? Yeah, it's interesting that you said that. Um, and in fact, you probably saw the vice presidential uh, debate as well. And that was uh, that was also an interesting component. But, um, you know, <clears throat> there's that old adage, Robert, and that adage is if God really wanted us to have a president, he would have given us a candidate. Yeah, exactly. We don't. I mean, if you looked at the VP debate, when they were talking about Afghanistan, you got Biden going, we'll be out of there in 2014. And, you know, of course, it's a lie because we're going to leave at least 25,000 private contracting troops. And then Ryan says, well, we'll be out of there in 2014. Maybe we we will, but we're not sure. But that I'm tougher because I just said that. It's like, what? I mean, this is there is no rational, sensible candidate at this point. They only they drummed out the guy that could have could have salvaged it. Now you got Greta Van Sidemouth, I mean Van Susteren from uh, Fox News, saying, uh, "Why do you guys like Ron Paul? We're just trying to figure that out now." Greta, where were you? Did she actually say that? I, yeah, I she, she actually went on her uh, on live blog online to say because the uh, the CEO of Overstock dot com was on with her just the other day, and when she asked him, you know, major CEO. Asked him who you who you vote for. He said, "You guess what he said? He said I'm writing in Ron Paul." I hope that that does not inadvertently allow Obama to get back in the office. That's my only concern. Well, I know we all share that concern. At the same time, <laughs> we we can pick apart Romney as well and go, "Well, is it going to be really that different?" On some levels, we could say yes. On other levels, we don't know. But as I said, who's backing both candidates? The same powers that control the current one. So. Uh, you know, it's it's a rough, it's a rough thing. I, you know, I've I've argued that at this point, if you sit out the election altogether, it might be more to delegitimize a system that's clearly corrupt from start to finish at this point. Yeah, but at the same time, Robert, apathy of uh, not voting. Oh, I don't look at it as apathy. Get, get, don't get me wrong here. I think it's a, a powerful statement of, of opting out, not because you're apathetic, but because you realize the game's rigged and they'll use your energy against you. But I don't, you know, again, this is not an argument to do it or not do it. I'm just speaking from my heart what I'm feeling. I, I agree with what you're saying, but the problem is that if people opt out or choose not to engage, um, then the problem is that it falls into the category is that the only thing in order for evil to perpetuate is for good men to stand by and do nothing. And sometimes it takes, you have to look at this as a lesser of two evils. That's the oh, way well, yeah, I know that's the problem. <laughs> that's the problem. I don't want to look at it that way, but that's what it is. I agree. Yeah. 
So it, it's 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 a rough situation. It is, and I've seen election after election, the argument being made: well, you got to vote for the lesser of two evils. At a certain point, you know, uh, just like we talk about the consciousness shift, some people go, "All right, wait a second, I don't accept that anymore." I'll either go for the third party or the fourth party or the fifth party. Or maybe I'll say, I don't want to give my energy to the system at all. I'm going to work on the state level to opt out. I'm going to work on nullification, 10th Amendment. Uh, you know, Romney's not going to go in and repeal Obamacare. He's already said so. So what do we do? We do it on the state level, on the local level where governance should be happening, not on the federal level. You mean Obama's, uh, uh, Romney said that? Because during the debate, he was talking about how it was important to do the big distinction was that Obama kept on coming back up and saying that you know they were followed the template that Romney set up, but Romney said that it was set on the state level, and that's why it works so well. Sure, but it's even worse on the state level if you think about it, because it means Romney believes that government can force you into participating in a system against your will, and that, that to me makes it equally bad. So the idea here, the sure. idea here is, will he repeal it? And he's gone back and said, no, 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 I like some of it. It's like, hello, what? So you know, that's what we're looking at. Yeah, it it, it freaking bites. I don't know what else to say. And, and I'm positive, too, because transformations happen in despite all of this. Well, that's true. And uh, and that is an exciting thing, because I think there's no doubt and nobody disagrees with that. Good things are happening and they're happening all around us. We're seeing evidence of it constantly. And, hey, we've only got about two months and a couple mm-hmm. of weeks left for the winter solstice to occur. Yep. And uh for the new age to officially be here. Major transformation happening. And major transformation happened in November 16th and 17th in Houston, Texas. Come on. See us there. Be there. I'm going to be there. It's exciting as all get out, to say a southern phrase. And, of course, <laughs> Friday and Saturday for both all the healthcare professionals. Stay for both days. Plan on it now. And everybody in this audience, come on down. I want to see you there in Houston, Texas on the 16th and 17th. The links are up at advancedmedicineseminars.com and right now in the show notes at robertscottbell.com. Dr. Batar, anything else you want to say to bring them on down? No, Robert, except that uh, we really, really hope that you not only come, but you bring your friends, your relatives, those that you love with you. Yeah, absolutely transformational event. Now that I've experienced it, like I said, you hear my passion. It's genuine, and we're going to have a great time together. And, Robert, actually, at the end of the – if you people go there now, when they go to register or they, they consider registering, they'll hear what some of the comments were for some of the people that came to the show because the people that you interviewed, some of that stuff's up on the website. Oh, that's right. Yeah, we had some great interviews. I haven't gotten to play all of them up here. We'll get some of them online as well. But, yeah, you can go check it out and give a listen to them. They're awesome, and you could be one of them next time. I will record you if you show up. So, anyway, Dr. Batar, we're at the end today. I can't believe how fast it went. It did go by fast, like usual. Yeah, like usual. Well, until next week, you can also download these at medicalrewind.com. The links are up. And all I'm left to do is remind you that the power to heal is yours. The Robert Scott Bell Show. Show.